1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Anne Bogle. Anne has been on the show many times, including the first few episodes of this podcast. And if you're paying attention, I re-released her last appearance last episode. To set this one up, in this conversation, we're talking about ...her new book, My Reading Life, a book journal. It's a journal created for book lovers or soon-to-be book lovers that has quotes and lots of room where you're going to record what you've read and what you would like to read. It's a way to approach your reading life with intention. And in this conversation, we get into diagnosing what your reading taste is, setting reading goals and what those can be, some options there for you. And again, just the power of reading in your life, both fiction and nonfiction. So whether you are a reader or you're not, but know you want to be, this is a great conversation to springboard from when it comes to reading. So I'll get out of the way and let you listen to this episode with Anne Bogle. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Anne Bogle. and welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List.
0: Oh, it is a pleasure. You know, Eric, I was just thinking today, I've always loved your show. Do you know that Yours was the first podcast I was ever on, ever. Are you kidding me? Uh-uh, I'm not.
1: That's awesome. I'm not the
0: first time way back in, I don't even know the year. 2012,
1: 20, 13? 2012. Yep. Really? The year it started, you were in December and so you were one of the first swath of guests from August to December that I did. And I think what's funny is is I think we met at the wasn't called Start, but it was John Acuff's Quitter. Was it Quitter?
0: It was in Nashville.
1: It was in Nashville. It was at the the compound there back in the day, and he was doing a small conference, and you were there, and I met, I believe your husband was with you, right? We met all, all three of us?
0: He was there. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So we met, and that kind of started it. So that was the first one, and uh, on that first episode, we talked about work-life blending instead of work-life balance. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. So- And then the next time we were talking about all the differences and the benefits of all the different personality assessments. And that was a Uh fun one. Makes sense. So I'll I'll link up to that. And then most people, if they're listeners that are current, know that I just released a a retread. That sounds bad. Retread's not right. (laughs) A re-release. There you go. Of when you came on and we talked about overthinking and we talked about, you know, decision making. And how how not to overthink, or how to cope with being an overthinker, or become less of one. And exactly. That was last year.
0: That's all good stuff. That's all really important. But today we get to talk about my favorite. We thing. get
1: yes. See that because that's the thing is like this time we get to talk about like you're not just here to talk about a book, although you are, but it's more so to talk about your passion, which is reading. So I would love for you to paint a little bit of a picture here context wise. Wow, I didn't know this, but you were this was the first show that you were ever on. But you're a seasoned podcaster these days and have been for for years now, really. So, well, that
0: was almost 10 years ago. Right. I mean, a lot has changed for us in 10 years. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it should. But before podcasting, you had a little site called such and such. I want you to go into that. Just let's build out some context here before we we talk about specifically this new book.
0: Oh, sure. The context is I'm a big nerd. I mean, that's that's a word we use with great affection on my blog, which I started in 2011. It's called Modern Mrs. Darcy. The, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to tell you the original tagline because that is lost to history in those who remember. Nice. But uh, it started as, I guess, a lifestyle blog. I wanted to blog about the timeless and the timely and how those things come together for women like what has always been true, what is true right now, how do those things relate and what does it mean for our lives. But when you're writing a blog, you get to write about whatever you want in your own basement. And I found myself more and more talking about books. And so on Modern Mrs. Darcy, it wasn't too long before I was you know, launching Little Musings on Life. But the thing that was launching me onto that topic was a book I had read. And I started sharing book lists and started talking to readers about the love of reading. And so all of a sudden, this thing that I had always loved pretty privately became something that I now really do professionally. And that is, you know, read talk about the books I'm reading and help others get more out of their reading lives.
1: Yeah. Well, and that kind of pivoted into then the podcast, What Should I Be Reading?, which then was one of my favorite guest appearances on any other show. That was, I think, like late 2016 now, so about five years ago. Yeah. But oh, it still your episode fun. was
0: so fun. Yeah. Well, what I love about our show, What Should I Read Next, is that when a reader comes on... I mean, half our readers, half our guests, maybe even three quarters, will never be on another podcast because that's the kind of show we run. We want to talk to all kinds of readers that you really feel like could be your friend, your teacher, your neighbor, your nephew, your dog walker, your... I don't know, your clerk at the bakery. Can you tell where I went this morning? Um <laughs> Or that could be you, you know, we feature lots of people with a wide variety of reading tastes. And sometimes we have on book professionals or other podcasters like yourself, but you don't ever go on a podcast and get to talk about that aspect of your life, except for on what should I read next? And what we do when we talk about what you love to read is we're really learning so much about you as a person. And I just love the way that's what happens when we talk about books. We end up talking about people's stories and about the things that really matter in all of our lives, but books are what offer us the way in.
1: Mm-hmm. I had a recent episode with uh, Jeff Brown of the Read to Lead podcast, and we dove into you know the power of reading and the why behind reading, and as well as. You know, diving into tips and tricks from the book, which is how to one, develop a reading habit, which I know you're completely 100% on board with. And I'd love to get your take on that. But two, how reading can influence and boost your career. Now that's not necessarily your angle, but you're coming at it from more of a holistic reading is important to your life as a whole, not just your career. Although for you, you've made a career out of it. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what's your take on like developing a reading habit? Like I know that a lot of people are reading nonfiction, you often are suggesting fiction works, which honestly is one of the things that I don't read enough of either. Closest to that I get to is probably autobiographies. I read uh, mm-hmm. About a year ago, actually, I read Eric Idle from Monty Python, his autobiography. <laughs> such a good book! Like, I, I highly recommend I it. to it. Everybody. Yeah. So, what, what's your take? What's your, um, you know, in terms of building a reading habit? I'd love to like cover that a little bit because that's when then my reading life, the book journal, comes in to start helping you with that. I think
0: I'm just busy jotting down the, the uh, name of that book because I think we all might love that for Christmas. So, oh, thank you for putting yep, that in. Yep. Um, yes. So in are we we have a podcast and a blog and a book club member site but in everything we do we are adamant that like reading is not broccoli it's not like taking your vitamins it's not like eating protein or cereal but that it's something that can really bring joy and delight to your life and is it enriching and like does it has it become my work yes like did it help me in my work before i did that yes has it been wonderful for my relationships like and personal development yes 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 all those things but that is not the reason we talk about doing it. And in our audience, so many of our, our readers, our listeners, they're hanging out with us because they want to be reading. So often what we're not doing is like selling them on why you should. And I'm really reluctant to use that should word, but you know, why you why it could behoove you, but um, to really help you follow up on this thing that you you would like to do. We talk to so many people who say like, well, there was a time in my life when I used to read, but I'm just so busy now. And I fell out of the habit. We try to help people eliminate the obstacles so that they can be reading. Is that you're going to ask me how next, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're already going there, so keep going. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, I mean, in my job, I talk to readers, you know, like every single day, almost I've talked to thousands over the years. And I think that people who find a lot of satisfaction in a steady, reliable, satisfying reading life, they have good books that they want to read. Like there is when when it occurs to them what could I read? They don't have to answer that question before they read the book. They have a stack of stuff they're interested in reading. And that really propels them forward. And they're very conscious about making time to read those books, which as you said, often looks like a habit. And I'm sure people are tired of hearing this by now. But if you have time to look at Instagram, you have time to read a book. Um, And I'm not saying that many people aren't busy and that there aren't seasons where it is definitely easier to read than in others. But... I mean, Eric, it, this, this is beyond the to-do list, here we go. We make time for the things that matter to us. And what I hope to do is help convince people that it's worth making time to read a good book mm-hmm. of any genre you'd like.
1: Well, it's kind of how, you know, I love listening to podcasts so much. I find the time to fit it in. Even if I can only listen to Part of one show as I'm driving to or from you know running an errand or something, it's mm-hmm. the same thing I mean you know I'm not necessarily saying, "Hey, pop in the audiobook, although I'm not opposed to that, in fact there there are great audiobooks. But point being, I actually, I have a friend of mine who literally doesn't go anywhere without at least one book and has, and he will pull it <laughs> Wait, out. Wait, is it me? <laughs> well, it's probably, it's you <laughs> no, as I'm well. Kidding, I'm no, kidding. it's a college friend. And, uh, he, he, I mean, it, we live here in town and it's just, so when we, when we're going to the movie, like we sit down at the movie theater and he pulls out the book, like even during the, the trailers are going and he's, he's reading and or prior to and all that. And, and, it's just funny to me because that like that's that kind of like it in other words, you mentioned Instagram. This is where I'm going with this. You mentioned Instagram, and people pull that out or any other you know rabbit hole that they can go down and scroll and scroll and scroll. and even if it's only five minutes, that's five minutes you could have been reading, you know, like it it's almost that phrase, oh, this could have been a meeting. Oh, I could have been reading right
0: <laughs> um, you know, I really like what you said about the podcast, actually because there's definitely a kind of reading inertia where when you're not reading a book, you're not reading a book and you have to decide and deciding what you want to read can be a big deal. Especially if you don't read terribly often, you want that book to be worth your time because you're only going to read 10 this year. So you kind of make it count and you put all this pressure on yourself and then it becomes really, you make it a whole thing when it doesn't have to be a thing. But you said you're always listening to a podcast. And once you're listening to a podcast, you're listening to that podcast. And the next time you have a few minutes or you're driving or you're walking the dog or whatever you do, you can just hit play on that podcast. Like you're what you were already in the middle of. And it's just so easy to be in the middle of something, but hard to be at the beginning. So reading often begets reading once you get that ball rolling. Mm. And then you finish a book and it was great. And you think that was great. I want to do that again. And if you can, you know, choose the next one and get rolling, then then you're off.
1: Exactly. And it is seasonal. And so I mentioned last year, about a year ago, I started and finished. Uh, I read, <laughs> I started and finished. I got it, I actually got it for Christmas. I got the Eric Idol from Money Python, his autobiography, and I pulled it out and I read through the whole thing in a matter of, I only did it in the evenings and I did it as my son was reading his book and screens were off in the house for, you know, the curfew, the cutoff time, so to speak. And in about four nights, five nights, it might've been longer. I don't know. But all I remember is looking forward to when that time was going to happen. And I could sit and do that and sip some hot decaf tea in the evening and wind down and laugh out loud to myself while everybody turns and looks and is like, what's so funny? I'm like, you, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I'm loving that visual. But
1: the, the momentum of it, though, led me to then pick up another book and another book. And I had a string of about four or five in a row. And then I started to get into a certain book that was really big. And it was another autobiography. And then things just got so busy. And I kind of was like, Ugh. and so I fell out of the habit again. But I realized that it's much like every other habit. It's the nurturing and the reinforcing and the removal of boundaries and the the setting up of the ritualizing of it even in the margins or in big blocks of time, you know, that that's my take on my reading life, especially with having intention towards it. But you've got experience of diagnosing slash consoling, consulting people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bibliotherapy is real. yeah. And we do a fair amount of reading life rehab.
1: Yeah. So I, I would love for you to maybe spell out like, what are the reasons why we fall off and how are the ways we can get back on?
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, because we're human. Yours is a common story, Eric. And that's something I mean, there are some people who just read the printed matter around them. And if they don't have anything else to read, they will read the cereal box. And I know a lot of people are nodding right now. For those who don't relate to that, I assure you, this is a thing and other people besides me do it. So I'm not really that's not the habit that I'm going to break, which isn't good or It just is, but you're telling your story about how things got busy and you got derailed. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had like a really great workout routine in progress, or that I walk the dog at a certain time of day. But then I get sick, or I leave town for a week, and I'd come back, and it's like I have to start over with that habit because it's been disrupted. And it's it's so our our habits can be so delicate. But I mean, there are certainly things you can do though to nudge yourself in the right direction. Like when I was picturing you sitting down with your big mug of decaf tea and your Eric Idle autobiography, I was picturing the book on the coffee table in front of you. And I don't know if that was actually the situation, but that is a really good idea. There's a reason that we keep books on the coffee table or on the nightstand, because that way, when we're sitting in the place where we might do the thing... It's right there to kind of remind us like, hey, hello, I'm still here. Do you remember me? The good book you were reading? Don't forget about me. Um, You can put that Kindle app or that like Libro FM app on the home screen on your phone so that every time you pick it up, you can see. Actually, I have a screensaver that is pretty old at this point, but it says I'd rather be reading and it's a photo of pretty books. And every time I turn on my phone, that's what I see. I tell a lot of people to put their books by the coffee pot or a little post it that says, um, don't forget you're on page 87 and you're really enjoying that book because just three minutes while the coffee's brewing, you can look at that. And often if you read three minutes worth, you want to see what happens for another minute or two, or 10, which can be kind of dangerous if you've got to get out the door. But that's just the risky run with a good book sometimes. So there are things you can do to help yourself. But I think it really helps people to know that this is not like this massive obstacle to reading itself. This is human nature. And you find a way to do all kinds of things. And this is not insurmountable.
1: you're tapping into some of what we've talked about in past episodes when it comes to habits and reinforcing them and making you know physical call outs or reminders or you know i'd call it a trigger but that word almost Mm -hmm. that word trigger almost triggers some people when they hear it (laughs) yeah
0: i mean these are definitely strategies that your listeners are so familiar with and just the little trick is to realize like oh this could work for reading as well how but I have, I have confidence y'all can do this.
1: Awesome. Yes.
0: But I think the most important thing you need is good books to read.
1: Yeah. Well, and see, that's the other thing that I know you're excelling in. And, and I mean, again, that's what you do is you called it bibliotherapy. I don't know if that that's really where this goes, although I guess you're diagnosing people, right? You're, you're saying, okay, let me talk to this person and I will help you figure out your reading taste. Well, how do, how do we do that ourselves if we can't talk to you?
0: Oh, um, well, come talk talk to me on what should I read next? That would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, pay attention to what you like and what you don't. I mean, the the story behind what should I read next. So what happens is every week a guest tells me three books they love, one book they don't, and what they've been reading lately. And I recommend three books that I think they'll enjoy reading next. But the reason we do it like this is I was so frustrated with conversations with um, people in my local life and then people online who say things like, oh, this is an amazing book I just finished and everyone should read it. And like, that's not true. Like just because you loved a book doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to because people have different tastes or people saying like, Anne, I'm going on a trip. I need you to tell me about a great book. And I'd say, okay, like, what do you like? And they'd say, no, 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 come on. Just like, tell me a great book. It's like, well, I can tell you what I enjoy, but that's not a guarantee that you will enjoy it. And um, I really got before we started the show, I really got to thinking about, well, how can we suss out people's reading tastes and like really get quickly to to what they do like you know like to diagnose their taste and to recommend based on that books they may enjoy reading next but my advice is to well i mean oh gosh eric it's almost like you invited me on because i have a new book um (laughs) my advice is that you just keep a very simple log of what you're reading title and author will suffice at a minimum Dates read would be great just because it helps you remember like out of sight, out of mind is so true. If you were to ask me like, did you read a really great book in October? I mean, I may or may not be able to remember, but if I look at my journal, it's all there. And, um, This is also true for habit formation. Like if you want to read more, keep a log because you get what you measure and when you're writing down what you're reading. You you remember, you're called back to that. You see, You you think, oh, I really enjoyed that book and I want to read more of them, which is a good thing if that's what you're going for. When you can see in a list, what did you read? How did you feel about it? You'll begin to notice patterns that just don't occur to you when you're just holding it all in your mind. And really just think about, What was it about that book that worked for me? And the real thing I love doing with people is talking about why a book wasn't right for them. Those books that we finished, but we did not enjoy or that rubbed us the wrong way, help us discover so much, not only about we don't like, but about what really works for us in a book, because that truth often emerges in contrast.
1: Okay, so I have to stop you there because I have a question that was related to what you just said about finishing a book that we may not like. And I have heard, which this was years ago and I've heard it reiterated a number of times. And I think it originated with Chris Brogan, if anyone's familiar with him, but he says, life's too short to finish books you don't like or, or you're not enjoying or something along those lines. And, oh,
0: John Irving said like 40 years ago, yeah, so grownups well, should not finish books they're not enjoying. Yeah,
1: so, and Chris, what, what Chris is great at, and, and I aspire sometimes to say I also do is take what somebody else said and then shorten it and sweeten it and make it sound like it's your own and new and fresh and whatever. But anyway, my point being is there are times where I have finished, for example, a horrible movie so that I can have a complete thought to tell people this is horrible and here is why, but I don't think that's the best of intentions when it comes to finishing things.
0: (laughs) You're hate watching hate.
1: Yeah. So, but what's your take on that? Like if you're just, I don't know if maybe if you're just bored or if you just don't like it or you disagree with it or like, in other words, what's your track record with this? Like, have you quit books?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. All the time. I'm a huge advocate for putting down books that are not worth your reading time. Now I can read a book. Oh, and you can learn all kinds of things about your reading life by not finishing books too like that's that's fine you don't have to finish a book to say like i did not enjoy that book but you would ask yourself like why did i put it down was it boring did i not like the theme was the fact that there were no quotation marks just really getting on my nerves and i could not do it for another page like stop and notice instead of we tend to like try to forget about books that didn't work for us cuz i think it feels like some kind of failure that we chose and we thought it was going to work out and we hated it so we try to kind of hide the evidence but you you don't want to do that you really want to examine why why you felt compelled to put it down. I have really not enjoyed reading books I didn't like, because that's not that's not how that works. But um I have read plenty of books that I really did not like and have still found it to be a worthwhile reading experience that I'm glad that I had. But Getting to the end of a book that took six hours of your life and going, I just want those six hours back. What a waste of time. That was poorly done. And I just wish I had never. Like, I never want anyone to have that experience. And we've been talking about forming a habit of reading and nothing brings someone's reading life to a standstill than being in the middle of a book they don't want to be reading. I mean, talk about a way. <laughs> to kill your reading momentum. Mm. Um, yeah. If, it, if it's not worth your reading time, if you are just dreading picking the book up, then you maybe you should reevaluate whether you should be reading that book because you are an adult. You're not, you're probably not reading it for work. You're not reading it for school. You don't have to sign anything that said you did it. Like you are the boss of your own reading life and, you know, be a good steward at that time. Choose well.
1: Yeah. Well, and so I, here's where I'll reveal what the book was that derailed me. Oh, it, I want to hear. I, you know what? I don't have it right in front of me. It's on the other side of the book. Shelf That's on the other side of my desk here and I can't go see it, but Mm it is it is a Beatles biography and it is about three inches thick almost, which if you can picture that, that's a thick book. And it's not that it was bad. It's just that as I got in through the first chapter and finished the first or second or so, I realized that it was so detailed and I thought I was already a huge Beatles fan and had already read so much about them, the Beatles thing kind of sprung off of the Eric Idle thing, who was spending so much time with George Harrison, one of the Beatles, and his friends in real life with him, and so on and so on. So I kind of went down that comedy and music path, and I thought, Mm -hmm. ooh, the Beatles have this get back thing that's coming out later in 2021. Perfect. I'll have this be a Beatles reading and music and blah, blah, blah year. It didn't really turn out that way, because this book kind of derailed me. Point being, I realized that... I wasn't enjoying it as much because I was expecting something different from it. I was expecting a little less. um, It it was not just crammed so thick factually with things, but it was also just taking so long to say the things that it was saying Mm -hmm. in the the author's writing style. So I feel like what I'm going to go do soon is pull that back out. I'm going to allow myself to maybe speed read it a little bit so that I can get through it faster and kind of scan and say, oh, this looks interesting. Let's let's hone in on this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of skip around maybe a little bit. Uh, fast forward, I guess. is This is, oh my gosh, I, I realize right now I'm saying I'm going to do the equivalent of turning up the Netflix show or the podcast <laughs> to 1.5 speed on my reading or more, because I really think it's a good book. I just didn't It didn't hit me at the right way at the right time at that time. And it felt like I was working through it versus enjoying it. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it totally does. Okay. You did two things really well there. So what many readers do is they're reading a book and they don't like it and they go, I don't know, this is just not working for me. And they put it aside, but you really stopped to articulate why. So one, you said, it's not that it was bad, but it wasn't the book I thought I was getting. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I wanted to read. and that's completely valid and good to notice. But you also said that you didn't really like the style, that it was wordy. You didn't use that word, but that it was it was it was long. It was longer than it, it was. Yeah, it yeah. was
1: it wasn't that it was wordy. It's that and we don't really need to get into this, but I feel like I'm already there. So I'm just going to go ahead and
0: <laughs> go it's,
1: for it. It's that he and maybe this is this person's style, but it's the way it struck me as his style, whether it is or not, that Though he could have stated a fact or said this is the way that things were and they did this and they did that. Like he then he doesn't get flowery with his words, but he just wants to paint the context of the picture so much with the atmosphere that they're walking into this place with and the smells and the sound. And a certain amount of that is okay. This felt like you are going above and beyond what you need to do in that instance to do that. Kind of Mm -hmm. much like what I'm doing right now in this conversation. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also want readers to know, since we're talking about potentially abandoning books, that there is a big difference between thinking a book is bad, just poorly written and it not being the right book for you or it not being the right book for you right now. And understanding those are different things is really empowering to a lot of readers.
1: Yeah. I, I think then this is a perfect place to say like, the book that you've come out with isn't really a book so much as it is a reading journal that helps you to develop your reading life and, and 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 it's called that literally my reading life a book journal and i love the way that this is set up as a journal like i don't know if i've ever told you this story but in between my freshman year of college and my sophomore year of college that I t- I took a semester off the f- I so I did a full year freshman year then summer and fall I took fall off and then went back in January and during that time that I was off I worked in a warehouse and was just staying busy and figuring out what I wanted to do needed a break and I read like voraciously no. and I I read one hundred and nine books in that period of time.
0: What? No, you have never told me the no. story. And the thing
1: is, is that I really do wish like I, I have some memories of what I like at the time, all of the John Grisham books that existed. I went through all of them. And there was less then, but this was (laughs) late '90s, mid to late '90s. But yeah, so that that's a chunk that I know of. But I wish that I had had a journal to keep track of those things at that time. Oh my
0: gosh, Eric, don't you wish you could see exactly what you were reading during that period of your life?
1: Right. Yeah. I I mean, I wish Mm. I could, and I don't remember a lot of it. I know, I know, I went through Chronicles of Narnia during that time, and a bunch of other C.S. Lewis stuff. Yeah, so it's it's hard for me to say, but I wish that I could remember a lot of the other sporadic ones where it was actually formational for me back then, but I don't remember that seed being planted at that time, unfortunately. But this is a chance yeah. for somebody to use this journal to in a way not only diagnose their reading taste, but also to help with One of the other things that I think works really well that ties into what I was just saying with that 109 number is once I started reading in May of that year, I had gotten through May and I think I was at like 10 or 15 books suddenly. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: realized, oh, this is a game. What's my my record, you know? And I've never, I mean, I don't think I could hit 109 ever again because life is way different now for a you know, an adult with kids, jobs, et cetera. But back then, 109 was doable. So that gamification, that challenging of yourself to read, as well as like, in other words, that reading goal for me was, man, when I go back to college, I want to be able to say I've read more than 100 books. And I did.
0: And you did. And that it was felt my good. Goal.
1: Yeah. But I'm, I'm interested, like, what are some other maybe reading goals that people could set?
0: Actually... Here, instead of rattling this off the top of my head, I've got my journal in front of me and there is a... I suggested some goals in here. Now, I want to be careful with reading goals, especially I think right now, because I think so many readers, so many people are just really burned out generally from the last years. And what you need is not a goal. Maybe you need a respite. So I want to be really careful about the framing here. But if you want to set goals, if you find yourself to be a person who's really motivated by having something to aim for, by all means, I want to help you do that. So like the journal, it has place to record a hundred books in detail, half spread page each. It also has like a very visual do-it-yourself table of contents in the front where there's one to a hundred blank lines and you fill in the books you've read as you go along. So you can just see at a glance how many you're reading. This would have been great for your freshman to sophomore year interim 109 books project. But okay. So for the reading goals I suggest in the journal are... You could aim to read more books. This one is obvious. You could read more pages. You could aim to read more consistently. There's a reading tracker in this journal. It's a two-page spread, so you can see your entire reading year at a glance. And you can bubble in a little diamond for every day you read and you can see what kind of pattern it makes as time goes by. You can read a wider variety of genres. You could become a completist. Like right now, I'm working through all the works of Maggie O'Farrell. And I know I want to read all the works of TRE Jones. I just have one more to go. And Doris Kearns Goodwin. You can have the satisfaction of reading an author's entire collection. You can broaden your perspective by reading in a variety of different ways that I suggest in here. You could try a reading challenge. You can broaden your worldview. We know so many readers now who are doing really unique challenges like reading a book from every country or reading a book from every country on a specific continent or every of a list of like the 30 most popular, uh, most widely spoken languages in the world. There are so many ways you could do this that are totally customized to you.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Some of those are ones. Those those are new to me, although they then seem so very, very obvious. So <laughs> yeah. well, sometimes
0: you need it suggested to you. So yeah. like the journal is filled with prompts and ideas and book lists and things you could try and suggestions and questions to diagnose your own reading taste. I mean, of course, it might not be that hard, but we need somebody sometimes to be like, look, think about it like this. Or have you considered X? We need that.
1: Yeah, totally. And in fact, I kind of pride myself, I hope on being something like that with this show for people just in life in general. Like, yeah, a lot of this productivity stuff, like it's just a reminder to capture things or calendar things or set reminders for yourself or set up this routine or that ritual or whatever. But like, and it's common sense. But sometimes I want it to be like, extra insightful or something, you know, and, and can get disappointed when it doesn't get that way, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes you just need to remind somebody of something they already know and need to return to or something that they used to do and they need to pick that habit back up.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Or sometimes we've heard the same advice 14 different ways, but something about the way it's conveyed the 15th or the specific story or hearing how one specific person, implemented the strategy in a very specific way that was just, you know, it's not that different from what we'd heard before, but somehow that's when it clicks. Mm-hmm. That matters. That's really important.
1: It does. It does. And 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 in fact, that that's another reason why journaling when it comes to your reading life can be helpful because you might remind your own self about something <laughs> having having read it and journaled it.
0: Yeah, that's so true. That's so true.
1: I'm curious, what are some maybe other ways to use the journal? Obviously, you have room for 100 books. What else? Describe it a little bit more.
0: Sure. I mean, if anybody really wants to nerd out on book journaling in general, (laughs) and this journal specifically, I did a dedicated What Should I Read Next episode not long ago. It's called Read Yourself Like a Book. And it's called that because I think a lot of times we are living our own lives. We're living our reading life as well. And we just don't have the perspective because we're in it to like really assess what's going on, what's working, what's not. How are we helping ourselves? How are we hurting ourselves? But when you put it on paper, you gain a measure of objectivity you don't have otherwise. And so this is a print journal. It does not exist in any kind of digital edition. And we really leaned into the fact that this is a book that you're going to hold in your hands when we were designing it. Like it lays flat and it has that visual do-it-yourself table of contents where you can really see 71 books that you have read and however long it takes you to read those at a glance, just so easy to take in. If you're wondering the next 29 books, they're they're on the next page because you need three pages to cover that. But there are prompts to help you like take a snapshot of your reading life right now. At the very beginning, there's questions that say, okay, where are you? What's going on here? What's working? What's not working? There's a series of questions to help you diagnose your reading taste. There are 25 different book lists that have 20 different books each that are a variety of... Some of them are just genres like historical fiction, Mm -hmm. thrillers. There's a list of 20 first installments in mystery series, if that's what you're looking for. There's love stories. There's books set in bookstores and libraries. There's my favorite genre, compulsively readable literary fiction. That is not a real thing. It's something I invented, but it is my favorite. Or there are things like books set by the water or books for plant lovers. And then there's the the core of the journal is those 100 book logs that let you track the obvious stuff like title, author, genre, length, but also things like how you discovered the book. So you know which friend to thank or which podcast you get great book recommendations from. You can write down quotes and your thoughts and impressions, And there's a three-tier rating system, actually. Like I was saying earlier that there's a difference between a book that's poorly written and a book that's just not to your taste because you don't like that kind of thing. So there's three different ways to rate the book. You can give it uh, five. It's not actually stars, it's diamonds. But you can rate it for enjoyment, for craft, and then overall. That's so you can remember like, yeah, that book seemed like it was incredibly well done and I hated it. And those things can totally exist at the same time. But there's a couple other things in those journal tracking pages. But there's also a lot of logs in the back where you can track things like your favorite books of the year, your best fiction and nonfiction picks. And I said the year because that's how some readers are using it. But you can begin this. I started mine on August 25th, and that is just fine. There's places to log literary destinations you want to go to or bookstores you want to visit or who you've borrowed books from and who you've loaned books to. There's places to track all kinds of things for your reading life. But I hope that it will really help readers benefit by you know, adding richness and helping them remember what they've read so you get a longer-term benefit from what you've read, but also hold your hand and help you discover new great stuff as well.
1: That's awesome. And it sounds like there's just so much packed in To it, like it it seems like and and here's the thing, we're we're kind of this episode's coming out at a time where we're getting into the American Thanksgiving, as well as that then folds into the holiday season, holidays season, even on through to like New Year's Eve, New Year's Day and people setting resolutions, which you can set at any time of year. You don't have to do it just at the turning of the page of a calendar. But it sounds like it's the perfect opportunity to jump back in to establishing a reading habit and that this is a great tool for that.
0: I think it is. And I think it's so true that so many people read more in that week between Christmas and New Year. Even if you don't celebrate the holidays, so many people are off work and you know you can you can sit in front of the fire and read a good book. And it's it's a nice time to establish that routine or to remember why you have enjoyed reading in the past if it's something that's kind of fallen away for you.
1: Yeah. Well, I will make sure to link up to not only that, but the episode you mentioned from what you should be reading and, and or what should I read? Sorry, that expounds on it a little bit more. And then basically everywhere else people can find all your stuff, <laughs> so including, I think, the past episodes that you've been on for the show. So uh, and, and and actually, I will include the episode that I was on years ago because I still think it was really enjoyable to listen to and tapped into some stuff. So it might be cool to do another version of that where it's like, okay, it's been years. Let's let's figure out what I should read now. You know,
0: I think that would be really fun.
1: But I'll link up to all that in the show notes for this episode. And it's always awesome to talk with you and always open door. Well, let me know when you want to come back.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's good to talk again.
1: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Anne Bogle. I enjoy talking with her every single time she's on the show. She will definitely be back again. Make sure to check out her reading journal. You can find the link to that in the show notes for this episode which you can find in your podcast player app of choice or the show notes over at beyond the to-do If you found this episode enjoyable and helpful, I would love for you to do me the favor of hitting that share button and sharing it with somebody that you know needs to hear this conversation. Again, just hit the share button wherever you're listening to this. Send it to that person and do them and me that favor. Thank you again for sharing. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next episode.